Matthew 21. It's page 988, if you want to read along with us. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and that he'll send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus arrived and entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Um, it is, it's great to be uh, with you this morning um, and to, to be able to come and share um, a little bit of God's word. Just before we, we do that, um, can we pray? Lord, as we, as we have just listened to your word, um, Lord, your, your word that is not some dusty old book from 2,000 years ago, but Lord, that is living and active as the word of God. Lord, we pray that you would just speak through it to us. Lord, we pray that you would use it to, to build us up, to encourage us, to, to challenge us, um, Lord, we pray that you will just speak now. Lord, speak through what I'm going to say. Take away anything that is, that is not of you. And Lord, just use this, this word by your spirit to shape us, to change us, and to make us more like you. Amen. Um, want a show of hands for this one? Who at this stage... When you're watching the news and it starts talking about Brexit, who switched the TV off? Je Jeff was straight up there. Who switched it? Yeah, I, I've kind of got to the stage now where for that story, you just you press the mute button for a couple of minutes. You just cannot be bothered with it anymore. I, I, we seem to be as a nation increasingly divided uh, and still increasingly divided over whether Brexit should happen, what it should look like. But I think there's one thing that the whole of the country, maybe even the whole of Europe, and even large chunks of the world can probably agree, and that's that we're fed up and we just want it to be over. And over the last few weeks, I don't know if you've been following it, but over the last few weeks, we've seen massive crowds gather from all sides out campaigning for something to change, and yet not quite sure what that change might actually be or what it might mean. Well, today we, we, we come to a very familiar story in the Bible, one we've, we probably have a decent look at almost every year, 
And this story also involves a huge crowd, a crowd that are frustrated and a crowd that are desperate for something to change. Now, it's a very different situation. These Jews have been under the rule of others for hundreds of years now. Ever since they've returned from from exile, they've been under Persian, Greek, and now Roman rule. And since the time of the the exile, the people have increasingly looked to the prophets and their promises of, of one to come who would save God's people and make them a great nation. And now this crowd is gathering in Jerusalem, gathering to to celebrate Passover. They're remembering back to being slaves in Egypt and how God rescued them out of the hands of Pharaoh and led them eventually to the promised land. And here they are, gathered together, hoping that this promised Messiah was going to come soon and do the same again, to bring about Rexit, to rescue them from Roman rule, and to make them an even greater nation than they had even been under David. And into the mix comes Jesus. And they don't quite know what to do with him. They celebrate him. They even give him praise, then shout Hosanna, and say some interesting things about him. But they're still left asking this question. Who is this? And the answer that they're given in verse 11, well, it shows that they haven't really grasped it at all. That question. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? I think it's the most important question a human being can ever consider. I think there are people here today who, like these Jews, recognize there is something different, something special about this guy, Jesus, but you haven't yet figured out who he really is or what that might mean for your life. And some of you have been committed followers of Jesus for years, but the passage of time the difficulties of life have maybe dulled some of those convictions, those truths about Jesus that you once held so tightly. I believe this passage, this passage where people seem confused about Jesus's identity, actually says loads about who this Jesus really is and why that matters for us. And I reckon the key ones are that Jesus is the one who has authority. Jesus is the one who is trustworthy. And Jesus is the king that we need. So Jesus is the one who has authority. We see this in verses 1 to 3 and 6 and 7. And I think these verses are all about discipleship. Verse 6 is one that we we can easily pass over. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And you say, big whoop. Jesus is their rabbi. They're his disciples. Of course, they do what he tells them to. But look at the request that he makes. He sends them into a village saying, you're going to find a donkey and her child, and the owner's just going to let you have them if you say these words. It's a strange request, isn't it? 
These guys have probably been traveling with Jesus for about two and a half to three years at this stage. All four Gospels lead us to believe that aside from the odd boat crossing, they pretty much walked everywhere. In fact, in the last few chapters of Matthew's Gospel, we see Jesus travel from Caesarea Philippi right up in the north of the country, back down through the region of Galilee into Judea, and eventually now right to the outskirts of Jerusalem. And it's only now that he says to two of his disciples, right, I'm going to need a donkey. It's a weird request. But we're told the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. No griping, no questioning, just obedience. And you might say again, yeah, but, but, but Stephen, that's not normal. Aren't the disciples famous? for griping and questioning and misunderstanding. And yeah, they are. But you've got to understand what's going on when that happens. Jesus is, is usually teaching. And we know that he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. The best teaching is that which, which engages the learner, which draws them into the learning. And so when Jesus is doing small group teaching, which is what we see him do so much of the time, he's inviting response and challenge and questions. And that's what we see. But there are other occasions, like this one, where Jesus isn't teaching. He's instructing. And those occasions are always met with obedience. You see, there was something about Jesus, that led people to believe him and trust him. And it wasn't just his miracles or his teaching. There was something about his very character that led many who met him to instantly follow him or to ask the question that we're asking today. Who is this? If we jump for a moment back to, to Matthew 4, the call of those first disciples Jesus has, has recently set himself up in Capernaum, which becomes the base of his ministry. And very early on, it seems, he calls the first four disciples. They probably knew little to, to nothing about who Jesus really was. They probably haven't heard him teach yet or have seen any or many of his miracles. But when Jesus comes to Peter and Andrew, he says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says, at once, at once, they left their nets and followed him. He then meets James and John and calls them. Verse, verse 22 says, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. There was something about this guy, Jesus, the authority he carried, that without even really knowing him, people were willing to, to obey him, even when it cost them, even when the instruction seemed weird. I wonder if you ever met anybody like that? Somebody who, when you've met them, they've just, they've just instantly gained your trust, your respect, the way they get on, the air about them. You think, that's somebody I would listen to. That's somebody I could confide in. 
I've known a couple of those sorts of people over the years, people who you, you just end up spilling your guts out in front of, and then you walk away and you think, why the heck did I tell them all of that? wonder are you one of those people? Someone people trust. Someone people confide in. Someone that people look to for, for help, advice, encouragement. I wonder, should we be people like that? As people indwelled with the Spirit of God, who should be growing to become more and more like Jesus, is that the sort of people God wants us to be? People who just have that, just a wee touch of that irresistibility of Christ? People who have the light of the world shining out of us so brightly that people can't not notice something? I think we probably should. wonder if you've ever been let down by somebody like that. Somebody you've trusted with sensitive information and they've gossiped it all around the place. Somebody you've believed in and found out has, has lied to you or has promised you the world and then let you down. We all know that we are fallen, broken people. We know that we mess up all the time. But it's still never nice when it happens to us. wonder are you a person like that? A wee bit too quick to gossip. To make promises you don't know if you're going to keep. Or are you, as a follower of Christ, somebody who's trustworthy? A person of integrity? Jesus, he, he had authority. When he spoke, people listened. We've seen some of the, the first disciples drop everything because they saw something in this man. And in today's passage, they are still following him. Only now, it's not just because of his authority, but because it's been proven to be trustworthy. The disciples, they go and they fulfill this strange task, and it's exactly as Jesus has said, just like every other command he has ever given every other promise he has ever made. Jesus is trustworthy. He's the only one who has ever been fully trustworthy. And some of the disciples, they're, they're starting to grasp why. That Jesus, this, this man of authority, this man of integrity, is a lot more than just a man. We know we know the truth about Jesus, the truth that the disciples are about to learn once and for all, that Jesus is God in the flesh, God made man. His authority is the authority of the God whose words brought creation itself into being. His integrity, his trustworthiness is the integrity of the God who had always been faithful to his covenant promises and continue to be. But some of the disciples at this stage are still asking as well, who is this? But what they did know is that this man was worthy to be followed and deserved their obedience. 
we know that, that Jesus' authority and trustworthiness are because he was God. That all he says is God speaking to us. And that all that he promises is sure and trustworthy. And just like the disciples, he calls us to follow him and to be obedient to his word. Who is this man to you? Is he someone worth following? Does he have authority over every part of your life? Not just the bits you're happy to give him. Is he the one that you trust? Are you striving to be obedient to every part of his fully revealed word? Not just the bits you like or the bits that you find easy. The disciples, they followed the one who had authority. They were obedient to the one who was trustworthy. Even without knowing his true nature at that time. So disciples of Jesus, how, how are you doing? Jesus' authority and his trustworthiness are, are not the only things that this passage tells us about who he is. We also see the fulfillment of <coughs> this prophecy in verses 4 and 5. This is Zechariah 9, verse 9. It's a well-known messianic prophecy. The Jewish crowd would have known it well. Jesus is done here with being subtle. This is the end game. He's riding into Jerusalem to die, to sacrifice himself, to make a way for us to come into the kingdom where he, sitting in glory, will be our king. And so it makes sense that as he makes his way into the royal city, he fulfills a prophecy that declares him as king to all the people. A king foretold by scripture, but a very different kind of king to what the people thought that they needed. Once you have a quick look at Zechariah um, 9, verses 9 and 10, you'll find it on page 955 of your, your Bibles there. If you just want to turn to that for me. Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10, it says this. <coughs> Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken, he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. I could easily go on to read the whole rest of chapter nine, which is this, this incredible prophecy about Jesus. But even in this short piece that we've read, we see so much of the truth of who Jesus is. The righteous king, perfect in every way. 
the victorious king bringing salvation to his people, riding into Jerusalem to go to war for the souls of his people. A war that would cost him everything, but that he was always destined to win. A king who is righteous, victorious, a king who is going to war, but not in a military sense. He comes not on a war horse, but a donkey, an animal of peace. Not only that, but a, but a colt, a young donkey that had never been ridden before, marked out for a sacred purpose, to carry this priestly king, this king of peace, coming to bring peace with God to his people throughout the earth. See, Jesus rode into Jerusalem declaring himself king, absolutely, but a very different king to the one that they were looking for, a much greater king than the one that they wanted. They wanted an earthly king for their people that would, uh, they wanted an earthly kingdom for their people that would last an age. Jesus came to bring about a heavenly kingdom that would be made up of every tribe and every nation and would last for eternity. The people wanted to be politically liberated, saved from the Romans. But Jesus came to spiritually liberate people from the sin that would cause them to be lost forever. The people wanted a king that would lead them into battle against their enemies. Jesus came to defeat the powers of sin and darkness so that we can have peace. Peace with the God who we so often betray and live in opposition to. Wonder if this Jesus is the king of your life. Wonder do you follow the, the true Jesus? Or like the people Jesus declares himself to here, do you want a savior that fits in with your view of the world? Do you want a Jesus that rescues you but doesn't require anything from you? A Jesus that does for you what you think you need in your life but doesn't cost you anything? A Jesus that fits in with your political views or your ideas of morality? A Jesus who is only loving are totally accepting and allows you to continue in whatever sin you don't want to repent of and walk away from? Who is this? He is your king. And he calls you to follow him and be obedient to him. He is your savior. The one who came to save us, who could do nothing to save ourselves. I wonder, is he your king today? Or do you want a lesser Jesus, one that suits you? Because that Jesus doesn't exist. And he has the power to do absolutely nothing. Nothing to save you. Nothing to give you life. So who is Jesus to you? The crowd here, they, they don't get it. Even as they sing praise to him, even as they shout Hosanna, they are still wondering, who is this? Is this the Messiah we were promised? Is this the Messiah we want? He doesn't look like what we want. Riding in on a donkey, gentle, making his way to the temple, not the palace. Is this really our new king? 
When the people asked, who is this? What do the crowds respond? This is Jesus the Messiah? This is Jesus the Savior? This is Jesus the King? This is Jesus God's Son? No. They say this is Jesus, the prophet, messenger of God, one who speaks on his behalf, true, a gifted and brilliant teacher of God's word, it's also true. They admire Jesus. They speak truth about Jesus. But because he's not what they want in their lives or for their perceived needs, they miss the full picture of who Jesus is. And a week later, some of these same people are in the crowd shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Their misunderstanding, their misrepresentation of Jesus, it leads to their rejection of Jesus. So the question remains, who is this to you? Is he a Jesus of your own making who can do nothing? Or is he the one who has the authority of God because he is God? Is he the one who is trustworthy because he is the perfection and holiness of God made flesh? Is he your king? A king that we should fall down before and worship. A king that we should follow and a king that we should in every way be obedient to because he's a king who sacrificed everything to save you and to save me, his people. That's my king. I hope he's your king too. Let's pray.